to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our audience and our listeners. Purpose number two, George, to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, I'm excited. We have a very special guest, George Roberts, a.k.a. the data scientist of real estate. Before devoting himself to commercial real estate full time, George worked as an award winning data scientist and bioscientist with over 700 citations in the field of genomics, microbiology and physiology. George is the founder of Walnut Groove Homes, an upscale residential construction company based in Troy, Michigan, which reached seven-figure status in 2021. He is also a principal at Horizon Multifamily, which sponsors value-add multifamily opportunities in the Southeast for qualified passive investors. He is a general partner on on a 34-unit near Knoxville, Tennessee. George is a co-GP, general partner, on a 104-unit apartment in Louisville, Kentucky. He also owns a 14-unit apartment in Orlando, Florida, and a 24-unit apartment in Avon Park, Florida, as joint ventures. He is also a GP on 134-key to 134-unit apartment conversion in Overland Park, Kansas. In addition to his over 300 units as an active multifamily investor, he is also an avid passive investor. George, that is an impressive bio. I'm glad you are here. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Jerome. So happy to be here. Absolutely. So, George, that was an impressive bio. What I like to do is I like to the uh, guests to tell us how they got to where they are and about their own words. So take us through the journey, how you got into the multifamily real estate investing space. Yeah, it was all about having more freedom in my life. So I had finally found a high paying tech job. But Uh, Once I discovered entrepreneurship through the building company, I realized that while entrepreneurship is amazing, now I can't do construction on the side while keeping my six-figure salary. I knew I was going to need something, you know, dial it back just a little bit. So it went into value-add multifamily, and that was a perfect fit for me. I was able to keep that uh, high-paying job for a few more years as I ramped up, and it uh, it was a great decision altogether. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with um, I know we have like real estate professionals. We have a mixed audience, but something I like to do is I like to make things super simple. So anybody that's listening can understand, because sometimes I have agents that come in and want to be investors. Sometimes I have investors that want to be agents. So you mentioned during your bio, you mentioned value add multifamily. Can you help us understand what that means? Sure. Well, I think the first thing I would do if I was going to back it up a couple of steps is say there's really two types of multifamily. You got your small multifamily, call that residential multifamily, and then you got five units and up. And that's really commercial multifamily. You got different lending and really just a different, total different group of players, usually at different brokers, et cetera. So I'm focusing on the latter of the two. I like large deals. I feel it's very efficient. You're able to get into a lot of units very quickly and you can focus on doing good deals, finding good transactions, and being an awesome property, or I should rather say asset manager. I like to leave the property management to someone else. 
Thank you. Uh, with that, you explained, um, you touched on some of that stuff. And while we were going through your bios, like you got this, all these units here. So you've had a lot of success. I want to ask you, like, what is the what do you think is like the single most important thing to that attributes to your success? If you could pick one thing, what would that be? Right. Well, in commercial real estate, it's all about building a team because nobody is going to be good at everything. Nobody has the time to do everything, to find the deals, to raise the capital, to be the asset manager. Uh, all these things take time. So you, you want to find people around you who either complement your skills or who are doing, you know, whatever, whatever other positions on the field you've decided that, that you are not going to focus on. So you want to focus on one position, you know, like, are you going to find the deals? Are you doing the due diligence? bringing the capital and then asset managing or what? Thank you. I, when I first started, I started in real estate. I was, uh, I had a mentor, I had a coach. I believe in like just paying for coaches. And he started me off in multifamily. I was like, uh, uh, he started me off in single family. I was like, this is becoming exhausting. I'm going to go to multifamily. So I made that transition and I'm like, oh, let me do multifamily. Cause everybody's like, go big or go home. You might as well. It's all the same work. Right. They say, it's all the same work. Why not just do it? It's the same. And I, then I got into the and I understand that concept is true, but the implementation of that concept was a little bit different. So I'm like, I'm going to go over to multifamily. I might as well go hard. And I just got a different reality check. So what would you say to anybody that's trying to transition over into that commercial family space? What is your. Yeah, you want to take some time, take some time for education and realize that in some ways, yes, uh, the, the story is true. You're doing the same amount of work for a 300 unit as a 100 unit. I mean, not really. But again, you're going to have one insurance policy. You're going to have one property manager. You're going to have one asset management plan. And all these things may be a little bit more complicated, but they do save you some time. But again, it's really more of a team sport. And I do think that it does involve more. Uh, you're going to have to have a whole lot more uh, education. You got to be more sophisticated because, for example, if you go buy a single family home, and the realtor knows that there's something wrong with the house. They got to tell you. They even have to tell you if people believe that the house is haunted. I mean, some of these laws, I want to say, I think a little bit beyond. But when you go to commercial real estate, you're on the other end of the spectrum where that broker works for the seller. And they really don't have to tell you much of anything. A lot of things that would land you in a lot of hot water if you were in residential it's it's just understood that uh, you're you're playing with the big fish now, okay? You're with the sharks, and you have to be very sophisticated. So that that broker isn't really there to help you much. Thank you. With that, something that I picked up on, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, but when I was learning about this space, everybody's like, "Go big or go home." Like that's I, you know I've been hurt because they're like, "Go big or go home." So it it hurts me a little bit because it wasn't that simple. Uh, they helped me. Uh, Recently, like you said, the education, my education has led me to understand the focus and importance of relationships. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, relationships are super important. I mean, I met you on a, a conference call. I had my own conference call. I got two in-person meetups uh, and you know, my conference call, I do that every week. So I am at six or seven events of my own devising every month. So meeting people i would say is paramount to my plan as uh, a commercial real estate investor and again it all gets back to that you know nobody is going to want to do everything so you got to meet a lot of investors who's going to fund your deal you got to go and you got to meet the brokers who's going to show you the deal or you got to go and meet people who are out there pounding the pavement sending out the 
mailers or however they find their deals. So yeah, I mean, I would say meeting people, meeting people who can take you to the next level is it's huge. I mean, you got to find people who have scaled. Like if you've got like 300 units, you want to get to a thousand, you're going to have to do things differently. It's not like work three times as hard, not enough hours in the day. Another, another thing that I picked up in just like business overall, I am like, I'm a big introvert and I can extrovert myself when necessary, but I'm like naturally introvert. I don't want to talk. Sometimes it, it exhausts me to have like several conversations and I, I'm like, you know what? Not every position is for everyone. Like every right. different people thrive at different things. So uh, what would you say to somebody that's looking to get started uh, based off um, the input that I just gave you, like depending on the personality, let's just say, cause I'm, I'm being a little bit all over the place. Let's just say I'm, I am an introvert um, and I'm trying to get started and I'm like a little bit scared to go out there and build those relationships. What kind of input or inf- advice would you give some, someone that's just trying to get out there and achieve better for themselves? Well, sure. First of all, I'll draw a little parallel here. We have some shared background, both from tech and I can be a major introvert. I could sit at my desk all day and be happy. I'm also happy going out and meeting people. So some people, though, are more on one end of the spectrum or the other. So if you are that person who may, and in many cases, it is sort of a tech mind, maybe you're good with math. You like numbers. You like to find the story behind the numbers. Underwriting. It's just a lot harder to wrap your brain around a 10, 20, 50, or 100 unit complex than it is a single family home. Single family home, there's a lot of rules of thumb you can go by, 1% rule, et cetera. And these are all good. But man alive, is it more difficult to go out there and purchase that large apartment? So underwriting is really huge in this business. And that would be one great way to do that. You either, you will have to establish some relationships with brokers to send you the deals, or you'll have to establish a relationship with someone else who's doing that. But underwriting is a great way for an introvert to get in this business. Thank you. Could you help us understand what underwriting is and how that process works? Sure. I would say that underwriting, it's a lot like my background in data science. It's about finding the story behind numbers. I mean, we're not doing mathematics here. We're not writing proofs. It's about just simply having a basic understanding about math and not being put off by numbers. If you're, if, if you're that sophisticated, you can do underwriting. But, and I would say that really this is the caveat. Are you fascinated by the story behind numbers? Because it's not about plugging numbers into a spreadsheet. Right. It's about figuring out, hey, what is this property? What should it be? Is it a light rehab? Is it a heavy reposition? Meaning that we're going to rehab it from one end to the other. We're probably going to kick out most of the tenants. Like I did that in my first property. And you know what? We had some tenants that wanted to stay until the end, but you know what? Not one of them wanted to pay the higher rent. You know, that's a much deeper, that's a much, uh, you know, much tougher slog. Or is it something where, hey, there's some land next to it or even on the same property. And this is going to be like a construction play. So I think you really got to see the story behind it. You got to think creatively. A lot of people I think say numbers. Oh yeah, you know, I'm a creative person. I'm, I'm not for numbers. That's not the case. Right. It's all about creativity. What can you make this property? Is there a basement? Could we put uh, storage units down there? What are the streams of income? Uh, is it possible that we need to put a, 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 a tower for cell phones, dog park, all these things? How can we make this property perform at its maximum value? You know what I get from that, from you on that? Innovation. 
that is very innovative. Well, that's what keeps it interesting, right? I mean, if I was plugging numbers into a spreadsheet, I'd go mad. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. I so we data scientists into real estate. I have a I have a coach because I run like a marketing agency, and I have a coach, and we do like we like do paid ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, and one of the things that he continues to say, his name's Justin. He said it doesn't the numbers thing. That's the easy stuff. Plugging in the numbers, same thing you said. That is easy. Anybody can plug in numbers. It's the data storytelling that's important. He continues to say this, and that is a common thing right now because it is easy. Now the computers and the uh, the AI is doing the stuff for us. So how yeah. can we separate ourselves? We got to collect that data and we got to tell those stories with that data. With that being said, could you tell us about the transition from like, so we, we have data scientists of real estate. Can you tell me more about that? Expand upon that? Why that moniker? Right. So that was actually was something living. that came about later. So I, I've been at this for some time. I noticed, you know, we got all this market volatility and I've been asked to speak on many different topics. And I've spoken on just about everything in commercial real estate, but I thought, you know, really, what am I going to do to differentiate myself? Well, I've always been fascinated by macroeconomics. That's not part of my background. I was a biologist, a uh, data scientist. I got a degree in computer science, but I realized, you know, I don't think there's ever been a time where an understanding a true understanding of real estate, housing economics, macroeconomics has been more important. I mean, we've gone through over a decade where we've had like the longest bull run in the stock market. We've had steadily increasing real estate prices. We've had steadily low interest rates. And I think that a lot of people were able to survive you know, just because they got in the game. I mean, it was enough just to be in the game. You have all those factors, all those tailwinds, and you're in the game. Hey, you're probably doing pretty well in real estate. But I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to wash out. Some of the worst advice today is what was the best advice yesterday. Like, hey, you know, just I don't want to go cut down anybody's market. But let's just say let's take some market in the south that grew like crazy and had 20 or 30 percent rent growth in the last year. That may be the worst market to be in this year. And, and we don't know. I mean, look at Idaho. It's already happening in Idaho. Idaho has had a meteoric rise, but then you look, it's one of the first states to see a major fall. So people need to just, you know, whatever YouTube videos you're watching from a year ago, you better understand what you're watching because if you just apply wholesale what somebody was doing two years ago successfully, uh, you may be going the wrong direction. Data science and data storytelling what is that process like? Because you got some people, like like you said, like we have similar backgrounds, so we're like looking at logically like systems and then storytelling. But like for somebody that maybe doesn't have our background or doesn't understand that, like how would you do that? How do you tell stories with the data? Like and let's be specific to real estate. How would I begin to do that so I cannot be one of those people that get hurt by going out and investing and being involved in these deals? Right. Well, uh, again, I think you got to look at things from a multivariate analysis. So, I mean, don't just look at unemployment. Okay. Take a look at labor force participation. Tear apart those numbers. What are the sources of information do you have? Do they all jive? You know, what if one source of information says, hey, there's no problem with uh, employment. Everything's rosy. And another one is telling you, you know, hey, uh, when we take the household survey, we see things may not be as good as, as we've been told. Again, you got to get deep into it. And I spent a lot of time with Fred, which if you're not familiar with it, you want to go to fred.stlouisfed.org. 
So the St. Louis Federal Reserve puts out all kinds of data. Most of it is stuff they aggregate from other sources. And you can, you can not only find amazing things at Fred, but you can put these data sources together. So for example, if you want to take a look at uh, uh, home equity, well, don't just look at it in absolute terms. You want to normalize that to the actual value of real estate. That's like a level one analysis. But then you want to tell the story, like why has home equity as a percentage, why is that declining? I mean, if you put that next to Case-Shiller, you'll see, well, it's not because prices are declining. <laughs> home equity as a percentage has declined for like decades, even as prices have gone up relatively steadily. I mean, people are just not savers anymore. And uh, if you want to take a look at the Great Recession, what happened? Did people lose home equity because home prices fell? Not entirely. You can see that there's a major dip even before the prices start to fall. Even as it starts to level off, talk about case show, talk about home prices here. And you can see that people are just using their homes as ATMs. So regardless of whether you lived through that time as an investor and you kind of knew that, or you're coming to it for the first time, I mean, I would say get five or six layers deep. You want to, again, multivariate analysis, look at multiple variables, understand how they interact, f find the story behind it. Thank you. Um, so like in the green room is what they call it. We were like preparing and you mentioned like you have a YouTube channel. So sometimes people want to work with people and then sometimes people don't have that, have that capacity, right? They're too busy or they don't just offer that as a service. So is it possible? Like what if somebody wanted to get involved or start to learn how to work with you or what your process is? What would that be like? I'm thinking about like the YouTube channel, but you could have other ways that people can work with you. So what's your perspective? You're talking about as an investor, not too hard at this point. I mean, I am trying to mentor a lot of people and I'm starting to get up to capacity. So, you know, like I said, get it on the ground floor, uh, send me your deal. I'll take a look at it. You know, it's, it's hard for me to get back. You're going to have to bug me. You, if I don't get back to you in like 48 hours and you ask me a question, uh, you know, come poke the bear and, and ask me, hey, what's up? Did you take a look at my deal? Because I do like to help people. And I also love it when people bring deals to me because, like I said, I can't do everything. So I can't be out there underwriting deals. I'll look at your underwriting, uh, but I don't have time to, to do a whole lot of underwriting myself. And I don't have a whole lot of time to, to look at deals. So I'm focusing on helping to mentor people and uh, building up the YouTube channel, building up my podcast. These are channels that I use to bring investors in. Okay. Could you talk about your mentorship program? Like, I don't mind that at all. Let's so, yeah, talk I about how we can involved. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what, I, what I'm what i considering is right now is is that if you bring me your deal and I help you out a little bit and if it works out, generally people are bringing the deal to me because they're looking for something like either I'm going to sign on the loan or maybe I'm going to, uh, to help you run the deal, help you raise the capital, probably uh, two or more of the above. So... For the moment, I don't actually have a coaching program, but at some point, I think that's something that would be a natural fit. I mean, I've been a teacher. I love people. And at some point, you probably will see a George Roberts coaching program. Okay. Can you tell us about the YouTube? Sure. This is a labor of love. Uh, not making any money at it. Anybody on the YouTube channel knows the bar is really high unless you're doing unboxing videos. And it's, uh, it's just great fun for me because... I get to go really deep into macroeconomics and I get to share it then. Like I could talk to you all day about housing stats, Census Bureau, HUD, and how, you know, we're, we're just totally underbuilt for the last decade or more. But when I get to go out and narrate a video and tell other people about that and help them understand like, whoa, you know, hey, rates may be going way up, 
but we're still in a housing crisis. So, so guess what? Prices may decline for a little while, but we don't know what happens when the market catches its breath. And, and I'm not going to come here on your show and pretend I got a crystal ball, but you got to look at it. We have many, many countervailing factors here. Nobody knows what's going to happen next, but you know, forearmed is forewarned. So if that's the sort of person you are, you're a little bit analytic and you want to really learn what is going on behind the scenes and how's that impact me as an investor, then uh, it's youtube.com slash George Roberts the third, and that's like I, I, I. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that. This is, uh, I like to get this question because a lot of people that come through, they, they can be like a little rebellious and that's why they have success because you deviate from <laughs> the norm, right? That's, that's what makes you a little successful. With that, uh, what is one thing about your field of expertise that almost no one agrees with you about? Well, we kind of got this already. I think there's just not enough interest in macroeconomics, economics in general. So I think you really want to go deep. Uh, things are turbulent right now. You want to know what you're doing. As Warren Buffett says, risk, you know, risk is not volatility. Risk is not knowing what you're doing. Thank you. All right. I'm going to let me find a question here. Tell us tell me about your favorite productivity hack for real estate investors, entrepreneurs, like a productivity hack that you find really, really useful. So I've got a few. I've got a great VA. And uh, ever since I got her, it helped me to keep my job for almost another year, actually a little over a year. Uh, it was a good thing, a very, very good thing for me. And but that's just the beginning. Everybody will tell you, oh, go get a VA. I've also had great work with uh, freelancers go get yourself a freelancer Wh whatever you're doing like you got a podcast you can get a nice background for it get a nice intro get uh, a voice actor oh you got a great voice though <laughs> jerome uh i understand why you do your own intro um i've only got an okay radio voice so i had someone come in and do that so yeah work with freelancers and that's something that has really uh just astounded me recently i i had some people come in and do some graphic design work for me better than i ever would have and just got me right back to looking at deals and doing what I need to do. Just, yeah, just do it. Find me offline. I'll tell you who I'm using for my VA. Go get some good freelancers and, and eat some frogs. If you're not aware of that phrase, if you've not heard that before, the idea is you want to start with the, the worst, your least preferred activity of the day is probably the most important. That's called eating a frog. And some people will say, you want to start by eating your ugly frog first. So whatever it is that you've been putting off, that is probably the most important thing to do. And do it in the morning when you've got that morning brain, when you are as sharp as you ever will be in the day. Thank you. In your opinion, what is the most important personality trait or strength that someone needs to be successful uh, how you are? Yeah, for me, it's being extroverted. And I wasn't always. Now, later on, you might ask me in my three favorite books. One of them is going to be How to Win Friends and Influence People totally changed my life. Okay. If it wasn't for that, I might've only been an introvert, but now I think I've really seen life from both sides. So again, you want to get out there and network because I talked about building a team and that's just half of it. Go talk to people that are more successful than you. They are going to open your eyes. They might've spent 10 years figuring out what they're going to tell you in 10 minutes. Listen up. Thank you. Uh, tell me about your most influential mentor across like maybe in this industry let's focus on the industry and what you do now 
Sure, that's good. I don't know. I've been really good at finding mentors, but okay. I do find a lot of people around me. So whereas it's hard to find some one person that I can point to as a mentor, I am always looking for people. It's like, you know, hey, you've got a great uh, podcast. You got all these downloads. What are you doing to promote it? Oh, here, I'll tell you. I'll show you. Uh, you know, every question I have, if I go out and I just talk to people, especially when you go to a meetup, for example, I'm going to meet up tonight, my own meetup and just talk to people there's going to be people there that know more about development than me uh people that have more units than me there are going to be people who know more about deal making because maybe they are uh doing something like wholesaling where they're making deals all the time just talk to these people like what are you doing how did you how did you do that and yeah no nobody will say no if you ask for advice advice or opinions never get a no answer uh is your meetup virtual or is it in person well, I got, I got to. So every Wednesday at noon Eastern, you can come uh, catch up with me. I'm sure you put that in the show links. I'll give that to you. And then okay. I got two in person. So if you're in Michigan, in the Metro Detroit area, I've got one in Oakland County and one Macomb. So okay. if you find your way out my way, uh, just just find me on LinkedIn and I'll let you know if I got something coming up. Okay, perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I want to move on to the personal questions. We want to get to know George personally. So first question that I have for you, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that one thing be? Yeah, I wanted to be being kind and helping other people. I just think there's nothing that deepens existence more than helping others. And, and I think it's a very American trait. It's uh, the idea of voluntary helpfulness. That's something I think our country does well. I think it's uh, one of our national characteristics. We have a lot of civil society here and a lot of voluntary giving to charity. So I think that's one of the best things about our culture, one of the best things about life. So I hope we never lose that. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would that be? So I would say it's going to be okay. You know, I've been a little bit much of a warrior, and I think a lot of people who tend to be analytic are. But just say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. You know, work hard. You know, focus. Do all the things that you're, you're supposed to do. But don't worry about it, right? Whether it's an exam if you're a student, like this exam will not determine your life. Now, your work ethic that you apply to this exam is an indication of how you approach life but this exam is not going to kill you no one thing that you're doing today is likely to to, to kill you so just relax enjoy that ride thank you that kind of i'm gonna see if i can twist it into the next question because my next question i want to know what your morning routine is like and the reason why i'm bringing that up is because i find that successful people they have routines and they have structures so um, and it's like, it's not even like the actual routine itself. It's like that process and who you become of doing that. So could you tell us like, what are more, what is it like for you in the morning or if you're a night out, like, what is that day? Like, how do you, well, I have become more of a morning person over time. I've got children in school these days. So <laughs> definitely forcing me to be a morning person. Uh, again, it's all about attacking the most important things. So look, health is important to me. So I'll show you what I'm eating. Okay. These are dry roasted, unsalted almonds. Everything I eat in the morning is like that. Skim milk. You, again, you, you, eating frogs is not just about your business, right? right. The, the most difficult food for me to eat all day long, that's what I have. That's how I diet. So I start out by focusing on my health and making sure that I'm eating properly. Eat those frogs, whatever the most difficult thing is. Do it now. And I'll give you another productivity hack, if you don't mind. 
Yes. Uh, and that is uh, to recognize non-time. Now, it'll come to me in a moment what book that came from. Uh, but the idea is early in the morning when you don't have anybody calling you, that is what's known as non-time. If you had to cut out three or four hours to do something very extraordinary, like, for example, when I'm doing research for a new macroeconomic video, making sure that I have all the facts straight. Now, I'm going to push that off to a freelancer to do the editing, but getting all the facts straight, getting the storyboard, making sure that it's punchy. Perfect time to do that. Take three or four hours to do that. Doing my bookkeeping accounting. Do that in the morning when you don't have anybody calling you and you're off by 10 cents and it doesn't reconcile. Hate that. Thank you. Uh, these next questions are like, these are selfish questions. They're selfish for me. And the story goes like this. I was hosting a, a meetup and I asked the speaker, I said, how can someone add value to you? You did a lot for us. This was an excellent presentation. He said, I don't know, Jerome. Nobody never, nobody ever asked me that. So I asked, so I was like, you know what? I like to ask people those questions. I like to figure out how I can serve people. It's like selfishly, right? So I can bring value to them, but also so they can actually get value themselves. So um, I'm going to ask you a few questions around that concept. And the first question is, what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business? So again, I think it would be just uh, parceling out the work and just giving up control. I spoke all about delegation. You asked me, what do I need to do? That's what I need to do more of. Uh, there's no end to it. So I realized, you know, just think about it. Where are you going to be in 10 years? If all I'm doing is editing my own videos, forget about it. I want to be in the same place. But if I spend my time doing things that only George Roberts can do, like doing the, I'm not going to hire somebody to go to the research for that. That's the fun part. I can't hire somebody to go on Jerome Lewis's podcast. Because you asked me, right? So I'm going to spend my time going on podcasts, meeting people in person, and, and doing the research, reaching out to investors. Those are things that only George Roberts can do. And if it's not on that list, then I have to start asking, how can I turn this into a system? How can I make a standard operating procedure? How can I hire somebody to do this? Thank you for sharing that. I uh, There was a woman like that was part of one of our masterminds, our private masterminds, and she created these videos. I said, why don't you go out and why don't you create these videos? She created all these videos, then she edited them. And I said, how long did it take you to edit that video? There were 60 second videos because that's the thing on social media right now. So they were all less than 60 seconds. I said, how long did it take? She said, a couple of minutes. I said, are you sure it took a couple of minutes? How much time did it take for you to edit that 60 second video? And I think she said like 20 minutes or so. And I said, can you yeah. see the correlation there? You don't want to spend that much time editing a video as a business owner. So you need to delegate that. You need to delegate absolutely. that. That's what you talked about. Five, ten bucks on Fiverr, I'm telling you. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So next question. These are my these are my favorite ones here. How can someone add immediate value to you or your business? So if you have deals sent in my way, I'll be happy to take a look. If nothing else, we'll become better friends and uh, you're going to see another perspective. So Send me your deals if you want to learn more about being a passive investor. That's also something uh, where you can add immediate value. I'm always raising capital for a deal. I'd lo love to show you what I have. And again, it's no hard feelings. If you if you say no, I'm happy to educate you about passive investing, active investing, apartment investing. Uh, that's what I'm here for. So I want to meet new people that want to come into my deals. Thank you. How can someone add long-term value to you or your business? Sure. I mean, uh, I'm always looking for partners. So a one-off deal is nice, but again, uh, you know, Hey, uh, if you like my approach and you feel like we're complimentary, 
and you want to potentially uh, establish something more longer term, that's uh, something I'd be very open to because again, uh, there's there's no reason that you have to work with just one group in this business. Uh, and you have money. Thank you. Uh, let's see. What are three books you recommend to the audience and why? Okay, the first is Stephen Covey. This is one of the first books that I had read about business, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's an amazing book. It'll teach you about how a lot of self-help these days, it's all about like self-expression. But 100 years ago, it was all about character. And just to realize that there is another approach, that was amazing for me. So Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, an amazing book. Uh, the second I already mentioned, that would be Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is a brilliant manual, can improve your personal life, your business, learn about people. People are amazing. The more you're able to network and learn from other people, the less hard lessons you have to learn yourself. And the third is the E-Myth. I haven't mentioned that yet on your show, but I've really been talking about it the whole time because yes. somebody who thinks that they are a chief everything officer, and that's what most early entrepreneurs are, is they are chief everything officers is not going far. They're probably going to have trouble with their family and uh, they may have trouble with their health. So quit that. <laughs> Figure out what you need to do and find some people who can fill in the gaps. So those books are, I've read each of those books at one point and the book that kind of started me, I keep, I forget. And I always tell people that 48 Laws of Power was the first book that I read and it got me off the, on the path to like self-development. But it was actually um, I think that book started me. And then I found the Stephen Covey book that you just mentioned. That book started to help me change my life. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, they talked about like a concept in there, like even a pen. And I have this pen here and it's like invest in yourself. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But at the end of the book, I started to understand. And I paid $30 for this pen to invest in myself. And I never lost this pen. I had this pen for 10 years had this pen for 10 years because I spent so much money on it. I was like, I'm not losing that no matter what. So I had this thing for like over 10 years because I read that book and I remember uh, I either went to the website or something like that and book helped change my life a little bit. How to Wins and Friends and Influence People, that helped me as well. And then Emith, I didn't discover that until recent, but that book was also life-changing for me. So uh, I well, appreciate I love you it. saying I, that. I, I love mentioning that because that's one that I'm listening to right now. I know it's hard yeah. to see the screen, but there you go. That's what I'm listening to this very minute. I want to say I'm at least a couple hours into it. Uh, it looks like I'm about five hours into it, but just amazing. So I think you got it's what I like to do, a couple of classics, and uh, that's my modern selection. Of course, it's been around. <laughs> thanks, thanks for sharing it. Yeah, that, those are excellent books. I have them over here on the shelf. Uh, the So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blindside you a little bit on this next question, right? So what's one question that I didn't ask that you wish I would have and how would you have answered? Okay. Well, it's a little open-ended, but uh, it is. So let me give you an example. One time I had a woman on and I was like, I asked her that question and she said, well, I wish you would have asked me about my mental state. That would have been great. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know. I was sorry. She caught me. So it's, it's open-ended. It's whatever you want. It can be for you to showcase your personality, your business, whatever it is. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like your questions about personal routine. I think that's very important. Uh, you know, maybe about personal routine throughout the day. I mean, okay. to me, health is paramount. 
I mean, I, you might see me walking for two hours in a day. Uh, it's, it's just huge to me. I mean, without health, we are nothing. You will never perform at the maximal level if you're not healthy. So focus on that health. It'll de-stress you. It'll make you better in literally every facet of your life. Thank you. Where, how can we find out more about you online? So the best way to do that is probably through LinkedIn. I am George Roberts, the third PhD. Uh, a few years ago, there weren't too many George Robertses. Now you uh, will definitely find me if you look for George Roberts, the third PhD. Uh, also, you can find me on YouTube and I'm sure you're gonna put all these uh, links out there, but again, to, to contact me, and at least for the next year or so, uh, we'll certainly be with Horizon Multifamily. So you can send a message to George at horizonmultifamily.com. And again, I'm not giving up LinkedIn. I've got thousands of followers. So if you find me there, send me a message, uh, send me a connection request, follow, and I'd love to discuss commercial real estate with you. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, people end their podcast with closing statements. I have a different process. I learned it from a woman named Dewan. She's in real estate. She has her own podcast. And she says, you can only pick one word, no statements. So I like to integrate the same thing. What is close us out with one word? Can't be two words. Can't be a sentence. It has to be one word. Close us out. Enthusiasm. It'll get Enthusiasm. you through more than you can imagine. Thank you. So. So you, you kind of expend it on the one word. So what I do is I, I take that one word and then I ask them to explain why. Why they pick that one word? Yeah, I would say yeah, enthusiasm. It would have to be either enthusiasm or determination. I mean, okay. determination has got to be the number one thing. I mean, if you read about business, people will tell you, yeah, that's the number one characteristic. You got to be determined. But again, how do you keep the fire going, right? Try to build that enthusiasm, enjoy the ride, and uh, you know, go out and meet people. That'll help to keep it exciting. Thank you, George. This was exciting. I appreciate you so much. Uh, can you stay on five minutes after we end? Absolutely. And thank right, you. I want to say possibly one of the more uh, fun and entertaining interviews to be a part of. Really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, George. I really appreciate that.